doing some really great things. Amen? Amen. So today I've got an exciting message for you. We're going to talk about divorce and remarriage. I mean, I mean, that's what we wanted to do on Labor Day weekend. Anyway, um, <laughs> but we are 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You guys know we're in a series on uh, Corinthians. And, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10, we'll begin there. Um, Paul begins to deal with divorce and remarriage. And uh, it's not a, a subject that you hear a lot. In fact, a lot of churches kind of stay away from it. In fact, when the Lord began to deal with me about doing a series on 1 Corinthians, um, I knew this was in there, and I'm thinking, how can I skip it? (laughs) Just to be honest with you. And uh, I knew if I did, a lot of you know that's there would would make fun of me. Anyway, and, um, but it's something that we really need to deal with because um, the way our culture views divorce is not the same way God views divorce. Okay, and so I, I really know it's this is a hard one, and uh, and as, as I was studying and praying and asking the Lord, Lord, give me a word, because I just didn't want to just come up here and say no, 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 no. I wanted to have a, a fresh word from the Holy Spirit, and a fresh word from the Holy Spirit doesn't change His word, but it does give hope. And so I was asking the Lord, give me hope, and so that's what I really believe He He gave to me. For you today. And I'm not going to justify divorce where the word doesn't justify divorce. But I do believe there's something to learn. I believe there's something to change. And I believe there's someone who's going to be set free today. And so when I announced about it a couple weeks ago, I know that we were going to speak on divorce. I know your inner lawyer started to rise up inside of you against me already. And, uh, and you begin to you know, have an argument in your mind. And the great thing when you have an argument in your mind with someone else, you always win. So congratulations on that. It's just not real. Um, but, um, and, but here's the reality. Our culture is filled with people who have had a divorce or may have had a loved one or someone close to them that's been divorced or is going through one right now. Or maybe even thinking about divorcing. And even though you don't know what I'm going to say yet. I I want you to put your inner lawyer down a little bit. And I want you to stick with me throughout this message. There's no condemnation. I'm not condemning anyone. And I'm not looking at you. Well I may be looking at you. But it's not for that reason. So don't think I am. So don't try to create a defense. Let's get to the word. And let's try to understand and let's bring hope and freedom. And one of the foundational values of every Christian should be, should be that the Word of God, the Bible, is God's Word. And it's our ultimate authority. And the second value is that the gospel is our ultimate hope. And that should be every Christian's value. That no matter what, I'm going to follow the Word no matter what. It's my ultimate authority. And the gospel, which is in the word, is my ultimate hope. It gives me hope. And I want to be very clear. My job as a pastor is to teach what the scripture says. So, so you can understand that your argument won't be with me. I don't want to get between you and the Lord here. Your argument is going to be with him. Because there's going to be some things I say today you're not going to like. 
you may disagree with because it comes against maybe your lifestyle or maybe your way of thinking. But I want to remind you about the gospel. So no matter where you're at now, and no matter what your life choices have been, that you have made it the gospel. You need to make the gospel so part of your life because it's the gospel that forgives you. It is the gospel that wipes out shame. It is the gospel where God overlooks our misdeeds and sees the righteousness of Jesus. And you may need to be reminded of that of today. In fact, perhaps bringing, bringing up this topic brings up so many bad memories for you. Maybe you, as you as a kid, your mom and dad got divorced and it was very hurtful for you. Or maybe you as a, as a husband or a wife, it's been very hurtful. So the foundation is the, God, the, the word of God, the Bible, is our ultimate authority and the gospel is our ultimate hope. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's begin. Verse 10, let's see what Paul says about this issue. It says, Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord, that a wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe... And if she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Now let me explain this because really some of these verses are kind of confusing. And so let me break them down for you. The first two verses really are Jesus' instructions on marriage and divorce. Paul in verse 10 and 11, he's reiterating the commands of Jesus. And so Paul says here, and this is what Jesus says in verse 10, stay married, basically, don't divorce. It's as simple as that. So since he says, talks about a wife, can a husband divorce? No, he takes care of that in verse 12. He says, let him not divorce her. And a lot of people have an argument. Well, he doesn't say divorce. He says separation or depart. Well, back then, they didn't have really a legal separation. It was all, it was divorce. And so it's talking about divorce. So Paul says, stay married and don't divorce. And now in verse 11, it's where it gets kind of hard. It says, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. So if, if, you're, if you do divorce, here's your options. Stay single or remarry your spouse only, the one you divorce. Don't divorce, but if you do, stay single or remarry the one you divorce. Now, it gets quiet in here because that's totally against our culture. It's totally against the way our culture thinks, and it's a lot of times against the way a lot of Christians think. But I can't read it any other way. You can't interpret this any other way. Now, Paul's indicating that this is from Jesus. Paul knows what Jesus says. His audience knows what Jesus says. 
But I want us to figure out what Jesus says also. So turn over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. Let's see what Jesus says about this subject about divorce. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. Jesus says some hard things here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, he says, But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So what is he saying? He's saying if a man divorces his wife, he is making her the victim of adultery. So her getting remarried causes her to commit adultery. And if you marry someone who has been divorced, you are committing adultery. And the reason it's starting to get a little tense in here, (laughs) because there's a lot of people here, even at Cornerstone, that have been divorced and you maybe know someone very close to you who has been divorced and remarried. And so what is it saying, Sean? It's saying what it says. You've committed adultery. And that's what Jesus says. And some people look at these scriptures and says, is God okay with divorce as long as you stay single? No, turn over to Matthew chapter 19. 19, Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. And it says, So then they are no longer two flesh, but one flesh. Therefore, whatever God has joined together, let no man separate. He says, let no man separate. And then look what he says in verse 9. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. So Jesus is clear about about this. He says, stay married. And to marry after a divorce is an act of adultery. I don't know how else to read what it says here. This is exactly what he meant. Then we have this statement. We have an exception. The exception to above uh, everything else is sexual immorality. And both of these verses, verse 32 on chapter 5 and verse, chapter 19, verse 9, the exception is you can divorce if there's sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is this, is any sex outside of the marriage union between a man and a woman. And Jesus even brought it into your thought life. So there's an exception to all of these, and it's sexual immorality. Then divorce is allowed, and you can remarry. You can marry someone else. So let me summarize what Jesus said here, because it's very important as we go down through this. Number one, stay married and don't divorce. If you divorce, number two, stay single or remarry your spouse only. The one you divorce. Number three, to marry after divorce is an act of adultery. Number four, the exception to all above is sexual immorality. So if there's sexual immorality, then divorce is allowed. Now it's not commanded. It's not recommended. Jesus says it's allowed. And if there's sexual immorality and you divorce, you can remarry someone else. And it's not an act of adultery. And I know this can all still raise a lot of questions. What about my situation? And, and I don't have time to go through every little detail of your situations. And in fact, I'm, I recommend a book here. 
And it's called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage in the Bible. It's in your bulletin, in your insert there, that, in your notes. And uh, I encourage you to order this. You can order this on Amazon. You can order through our bookstore. Uh, you can get it online anywhere. And this will help you in that. But I also encourage you to meet with us. You don't need to go through this alone. What about my situation, Pastor Sean? And we'll help you with that. I just can't answer all the little details in this. Because the Bible is very clear on a few things. It's not clear and it doesn't come, come about every situation. Now let's go back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look at verse 10 and 11. Let me explain this a little bit more. Paul says a wife is not to depart. And then he says this. This is where some of the confusion starts to get in. Then he says, but if she does. So he says a wife must not depart. But then, but if she does, that's a little confusing. Why would he say that? I mean, imagine a dad saying to his son, you shouldn't go to that party. But if you do, you better not drink. But if you drink, you better not get drunk. But if you get drunk, you better not drive. Am I making myself clear? Not at all. Not at all. So here's what I think Paul is saying here. This is what God requires. But this is how people are living. People get divorced in spite of what God says. So Paul says, don't complicate your sin. Don't, don't make it worse. If you get divorced, don't complicate it by marrying someone else. There's a standard, but not everyone's living by the standard. Then there's an exception. So what do I do? So this is what Jesus says in 10 and 11. Paul's repeating that. Now, Paul is done, and he's going to add a second exception in verse, in, in verse 12. Now, verse 12 and 14 are confusing, too, and I'll, I'll talk about this. In verse 12, Paul says, to the rest. Who, who are the rest? Who is he talking about that? Because we go back in verse 8, Paul addresses the unmarried and the widows. And then you go to verse 10, and he addresses, addresses the married people. And then, he's, he, and then the rest. And it's a little confusing because, let me ask you, who would be the rest in here? How many of you guys are married or unmarried? Raise your hand here. <laughs> who in the heck is the rest? Because that's everybody here. Well, if you look in context, there is, there is somebody, and we find that out. See, when Jesus addresses marriage in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 19... He's addressing Jewish people. The Jewish people are followers of God. Okay, there were people who were trying to follow God. When Paul addresses here in Corinth, he's not addressing followers of God all the time. In fact, Paul came to Corinth and he preached Jesus. And people got saved and this is what began to happen. People began to accept the Lord and you were having... What Paul says, the rest, one person in a marriage that was saved and the other spouse who was an unbeliever. And that's the rest. That's who he's addressing now. He's addressing those who are married to an unbeliever. And that brings a second question to what Paul says next. Paul says, I, not the Lord. Is he, not say, is he saying that Jesus, what Jesus says is important and this is my opinion? No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about... Jesus had a context that he was talking to, but there's a different context now. 
There's a different people now who are in a different situation. There are marriages here with one person who's a father, one who isn't. So let's look at verse 12 and see what he says. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not to be under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know a wife, whether you will save your husband, or how you know a husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, these are Paul's instructions on divorce. He says, stay married, don't divorce in this situation. Because you, you think with that tension of, of a believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse. There's tension there. And some of you may be here and you're, you're a part of that. Your spouse is not with you today because they don't want to come to church. They want anything to do with God. But, um, but you believe. And there's tension there. And Paul says, I understand the tension. I understand what's going on there. And I know you wish they were with you. But he says, stay married. Don't divorce. And why would Paul say that? And it really comes in verse 14. And it's a little bit confusing. Because it says that because you're staying married, will your spouse be saved because of that? Is that what he's saying? He says in verse 14, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, otherwise their children would be unclean, but now they are holy because they stay together. Is that what he's saying here? Now you've got to understand, he uses two words. He uses sanctified and holy. And what do those two words mean? They mean set apart. Now, most of the time in the Bible, they mean set apart spiritually, but not all the time. Sometimes they mean set apart relationally. And that's what he's talking about here. Because you, you all know that in order to receive Christ, your Lord and Savior, you can't make anybody. Just by you befriending somebody doesn't make them a Christian. They have to choose. Your own kids are going to have to choose. You raise them up in the Lord, but they have to choose for themselves. I can't make my kids choose God. I can give them the way, show them the way, threaten them as much as possible. <laughs> but they are going to have to choose the Lord themselves. And that's the way with everyone else. So I believe what this means is, is that this is relationally. See, the thing in reality, God blesses those who are close to his own. If God blesses you, often the people around you are blessed. If God blesses you, your company is blessed. And it may not be a Christian company. Because of the righteousness that God has given you, because of your righteousness in Christ Jesus, people are blessed around you. And this means, so your righteousness impacts the people around you. So when Paul says sanctified and holy, I don't think it means spiritually. It means relationally. And we see this concept throughout Scripture. Proverbs chapter 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. In other words, if you fear God, that helps your kids. Amen? There's another big concept on it when God is dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah. And a lot of people use... I'm not going to go there. 
I am going to go there because it's true. A lot of people use this. Well, if God, God's going to destroy America because he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm a righteous man and I live in America. Amen. See, the thing about it is, Abraham and God had this discussion. God, if there's 50 righteous ones here, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah. And he comes back. Is there 45 righteous one here? Where they, yeah, I'll save it. God, is there 35? And he goes on down, if there's 10 righteous ones. I think really Abraham could have done it down to one, but he knew there was none. If there's 10 righteous ones where you save Sodom and Gomorrah, I believe the history of Sodom and Gomorrah would have changed. Listen, I believe our country can be blessed because I live in it. Because you live in it. I believe our city can be blessed because you live in it. And I believe, listen, let me tell you something. I believe the schools that your kids go to are blessed because they are in it. Amen? Because we're righteous. Close proximity of righteous people have a positive impact on others. There's other scriptures that show that concept. I just don't have time. But here's the point. Here's the point Paul's getting at. The best way for your spouse and children to find Christ is to stay married is to stay married and that's what paul's saying paul's saying stay married do not divorce and the best way for your spouse and children to find christ is to stay married and i've heard people say it would be far better for our kids if we got divorced listen even secular studies have shown divorce hurts kids more than it hurts you and paul says the same thing so Jesus said, stay married and do not divorce. Paul says, stay married and do not divorce. Paul also says it's the best for your children and your spouse that you stay married. And Jesus gave an exception to all this, his unrepented sexual immorality. Then Paul here in verse 15 gives us a second exception. Look there, verse 15. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So if your unbelieving spouse abandons you, once out, divorce is allowed. He doesn't say it's required, doesn't say it's commanded, but it's allowed. Your hope is that you would stay married and that they would come to Christ. But if they want out, you can release them. And remarriage, marrying someone else, would be okay for you. So let's get down to these two exceptions, and then I'll make some closing statements and give some advice. Two exceptions for divorce. Only two in the Bible. Sexual immorality, that's sex outside of the marriage union. Or for abandonment. If your spouse wants out and leaves, then you're allowed to divorce. Church, I don't know how else to read these passages. So if your spouse deserts you or abandons you, I believe in verse 15, you're allowed to remarry. In both of these exceptions, you are allowed to divorce and remarry. In verse 10, 11, we're given what Jesus says. In verses 12 through 16, what Paul says. And I've tried to explain what it means. It's your job to test me. Test what I've said because Sean is not your ultimate authority. The Bible is your ultimate authority. Let me give you some applications. Because I know there's a lot of questions. Number one, 
It's easy to convince yourself that your situation is unique and divorce is permissible. Let me say that again. It's easy to convince yourself that your situation is unique and divorce is permissible. You say, I think it is, and that's, that's why you should never make these type of decisions alone. Get help. Get help. Get advice from us. We are here for you. And this is how we work as people. We think our situation is unique and God would be okay with divorce. And here's the reality. Your spouse being a jerk is not a reason for divorce. Your spouse being more immature than your six-year-old is not a reason for divorce. Because your spouse does not have dinner on the table at 5 p.m. is not a reason for divorce. Because you say we've fallen out of love is not a reason for divorce. Your unhappiness is not a reason for divorce. Because I hear this a lot. A lot of people say, well, well, sh- well I, I, I know what the Bible says. But my God is a God of love, and he wouldn't want me to be so unhappy. And here's what we tend to do. And the reason is, is often based, we base things on part of God's character while ignoring his clear commands. Listen, God's character and his commands are never in friction with one another. We tend to want to ignore clear commands and focus just on one part of his character. And you can't do that. When we talk about divorce from, from the word, you know, people are shocked about it. But listen, you can't just separate God's commands from his character. His character is what gave the commands. You can't do that. And listen, it may be hard, yes. And your marriage may suck. But there's help and there's hope. And divorce is not the answer. Trust me, trust me, trust me. It is not the answer for you. I've had people in my office about ready to go at it with each other. And if I didn't have my two canes blocking them. (laughs) It was UFC right in my office. Amen. (laughs) I sold tickets and we'd have got, you know, the wife would have won. But anyway... But that same marriage that I had to hold back is a testimony today. And they had a reason for divorce through the Bible. Restoration can happen. Restoration can happen. And I know this shocks a lot of us because we might have not, never heard it. And I'm sorry that we might have not, not teach, taught on it in a long time. It was shocked to Jesus' disciples. In Matthew 19, verse 9, it says, And I say to you, whoever divorces wife except for sexual immorality, marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. And look what his disciples said. Verse 10, And his disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. When Jesus said that, it's interesting to see how his followers 
uh, reacted and how shocked they were. And it kind of reminds you of a six-year-old when you tell them, you can't go out and play until you eat. And the six-year-old says, well, I'm not going to go play at all. That's what they're saying. Well, we're just not going to get married at all. And look what Jesus says in verse 11. He responds this way. Jesus replied, no, you misunderstood me. My God is a God of love, so don't take my words literally here. No, he didn't say that at all. (laughs) But that's what we want him to say, isn't it? No, my God's a God of love. Don't take me literally here. Look what he said in verse 11. Caught you guys. You guys said, amen. Look what he says here. <laughs> but he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs. Eunuchs are, are people who have maybe been born without a sex organ or, or people who you know, got it chopped off or whatever for, you know, the king's purposes. But, but he says, for there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. That means they are going to stay abstinent. Look what he says here. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So Jesus says, if this is too hard for you, of an instruction for you, then don't get married. Look at me. If you can't live with this instruction that you can't get divorced unless there's sexual immorality or abandonment, then don't get married. Plain and simple. It's not because you're unhappy that you can get divorced. You know, marriage does take work. And it takes both couples, and I understand that. But Jesus says, if you can't take this instruction, yeah, you should, you're, not, you're not marriage material because you're not able to make the lifelong commitment that it takes. So there's two exceptions for divorce. Sexual immorality and abandonment. And let me, let, let me, let me give you some applications here. This is for those who aren't married yet. So if you're single in here. Your decision about divorce needs to be made before you ever get married. Not when your marriage gets difficult. And I use the word when and not if. Because your marriage will have difficult times. So you make the decision about divorce now. That that will not be in your vocabulary. That no matter what, we are going to stay married and not divorce. We're going to obey and be obedient. And we're going to honor the Lord in it. Let me address some of the other ones that are in here that think I'm looking at you. You think this you know, 30, 40 minute message right now is actually three hours. <laughs> Watch it. Because you might have been divorced. And you remarried. And you don't fit the exception. This is where I wanted a word from the Lord from. How do I dress with those who have already done that? But listen to me, because I think this is one of the most important things for you today. And I believe it will set you free. 
If you've been divorced, you are divorced, and you remarried in some biblically, that means you would what Jesus was saying. You had committed the act of adultery because of it. Because you didn't get divorced because of any reason of sexual immorality or abandonment. You just got divorced because you didn't love her or love him anymore. Then I want you to listen to this. This is what you need to do. There's three things. And it's very important you do these things. Number one, confess it as sin. You need to confess it as sin. Why do I need to confess it as sin? Because it was. It was wrong. And if you don't confess it, confessing means this, that you turn around, that you change, you change your way of thinking. If you don't confess it as sin, guess what? You will repeat that sin over and over again. The percentages are over 50 to 60% higher after you, your first divorce, that you'll get a divorce again. Why? Because you never learned. Listen, there's two people in a relationship. One person might do something wrong. But most likely, both of you are doing something wrong. I don't know about you. My, my wife and I, we've been married 24 years. <laughs> she didn't know either. <laughs> it's not just her that's wrong all the time. You know what? I can be wrong too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. If you don't confess it as sin, then you'll do it again. So confess it. And if you're married, tell your spouse about it so there can be freedom then number two embrace God's forgiveness this is where the gospel comes in embrace God's forgiveness and make number three make the marriage that you're in the best marriage around and see that it pleases God that's the beauty of the gospel because listen, Jesus said it was an act of adultery. It didn't mean that you will always live an adulterous life afterwards. An act of adultery is forgivable. Aren't you glad about that? Yeah. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean for you in marriage to think, well, that's pretty easy. I'll just get a divorce and just do those three steps. Divorce is painful. In fact, we deal with things in freedom ministry, in our freedom ministry with people who have been divorced, we deal with that pain that is, they've been divorced for many, many years and are still dealing with the pain of it, the rejection. It is very, very painful. So confess it, embrace God's forgiveness, and make that marriage the best marriage around. Amen? Work on it. Amen. And the last application are for those who are living in a difficult marriage right now and want or wish you could get divorced, but you don't see the exceptions listed for your case. Number one, we're here to help you. We know marriages can be turned around, but it takes one of you 
to be a catalyst of change. So if you're in a difficult marriage, do less pointing and more learning. Find out what are you doing wrong. What is your problem in the marriage? Because I believe one person can improve a marriage. So ask the Lord, Lord, what am I doing? It's like what Jesus dealt with, with, you know, the parable about, you know, having a, a speck in someone else's eye, but you've got a plank in your own. Right? Deal with what's in your eye. You become the best spouse around. You change it. You do every well, he, well, he's not doing what his part. No, no, no. You do your part. You can't control each other. You do your part. Don't keep on going down the hill of evil. Of one being mad and one being mad and one doing bad things and saying bad things and you say bad things. You guys know the, the process that keeps on going down. You be the catalyst. You do less pointing and more learning. Because I believe one person can improve the marriage. You improve your side of the marriage. Because God may have chosen you to be the potential person to impact your spouse's spiritual life. And maybe because you love, something changes. Because in my relationship with my wife, it's not about if she does something for me, then I'll love her. Because it's the relationship Christ has with us. He loves me no matter what. I love my wife no matter what. And I give to her no matter what. Amen? Because God could choose you to help your spouse get closer to him. And one final thought. Don't make any of these decisions about divorce without spiritual advice and help. Get spiritual advice and help. Because I know there's so many more questions. You know, verse 12 through 16 are talking about non-Christians abandoning their spouse. And I know a question is, well, what if a Christian does it as well? Well, in chapter 5, we dealt with church discipline. Remember that? A number of weeks ago? And church discipline, it says Christians sometimes start acting like non-Christians and how Paul told us to treat them like unbelievers. And so, yeah, if, even if a Christian abandons, I believe you have a right for divorce. So get it, let us give, give you help. If you have other questions, email me. Email our staff. If you have other questions that you, you want, you know, come meet with me. We'd love to help you with that. We want to see your marriage restored. I know there's many of our couples that have been through Lamb would love to help you and mentor you. Get help on that. Get help. The Bible's clear, but doesn't include every situation. So let us help you. And I believe, I believe your marriage can be the best out there. And that we don't have to divorce at all. Amen? And people can be set free. Amen? God's good, isn't he? Bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, I just pray right now that your word goes forth. That I rebuke the enemy from taking away from this word. Father God, for those who have been divorced and 
remarried and it was unbiblical, that, Father God, there's no condemnation. But there's, there's a call to change. That they will accept what they did wrong. They take responsibility, so they'll confess it. They'll embrace your forgiveness. And they'll make their marriage that they're in the best around with your help, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for those who aren't married yet, Lord, that they'll make that decision that divorce will not be in their vocabulary. That when they decide and they know it's your will for them to get married, that they understand what the commitment is forever. And I pray for those who are just dealing in difficult marriage, whether they're married to an unbeliever or they're married, their marriage just really stinks right now. That, Father God, that there will be a catalyst for change and then that one of them will stand up and choose to love, choose to learn, pray for the other one, and believe God for more. And that there will be a radical change in their marriage. From this day forward, Lord, in Jesus' name, and we bless you and we thank you. And Father, I just thank you for all of us, Lord, that our heart is to serve you. And though it's not easy because our culture goes a different way, the way of thinking of this world is totally different from your way of thinking. But we make a commitment to choose your thoughts, to choose the way you think you live, to choose your desires, to choose your word. Because the Bible is our ultimate authority and your gospel, what Jesus did and gave us, is our ultimate hope. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. I know he's good. His word's good.